And we're off. And you know what? I figured since we're in quarantine, since we're pretty much locked down here in the tri-state area, New York, New Jersey, and pretty soon Connecticut, you know, I have so many great friends that I grew up with in South River, New Jersey, that were so big in my life when it comes to the sports world. I figured, why not have some of these guys on? They're not celebrities, but you know what? They they know so much about the world of sports and can run circles around a lot of the people that I know in the sports world, but they're in different areas of life right now. And the guy that I'm welcoming in to this podcast is, is actually a guy that I name <laughs> a lot of times on the Anwar Off podcast, and that is my tremendous great friend Brian Sanborn uh, from South River, New Jersey. We used to go to Leonardine Park or Shine Fine Park, as it is normally called, with our good buddy Donnie Smucko. And Brian, do you remember like now there's so many things like PlayStation 4, and I know we had Nintendo and we had Genesis and we had ColecoVision and we had Atari, but we we chose back in the day. I, I, I've, t- I've blogged about this. I've talked about this. Don Smucko and I used to go down to Leonardine Park when it snowed. And we would shovel the basketball court so we could play. I mean, that's, that's the type of, uh, of childhood we had. Like Gen Xers, like everybody else is worried about what they're going to do to kill the time. We know card games. We'll go to the park. We'll shovel snow. We'll do anything <laughs> to keep busy and keep occupied. But Brian, it's such a pleasure to have you on the show. Uh, I talk about you uh, ad nauseum when I do this podcast, either if it's solo or with other people. Thanks for coming on and spending some time with us from California, who's also in some dire straits as well. What's up, buddy? Absolutely. Thank you. It's an honor to be here. Yeah, we absolutely are in dire straits. I mean, we're the first state to have this quote-unquote stay-at-home procedure. So we're all home, just working from home and riding this thing out. And, you know, you're absolutely correct about the old days. I mean, we didn't have the Internet to go online. We had uh, the Star Ledger from the day before (laughs) over and over again. Or we had, uh, you know, the the Home News Tribune. Yes, the Sentinel. You you had to walk up. Yeah, you had to... Yeah, we had the cable box that was connected to the the cable controls connected to the TV, and you had what you know TV 35 or something like that. We had like 40 or 50 stations. I mean, everybody's complaining now; they have nothing to do, and we couldn't go online. I couldn't play you in in Nintendo baseball back in the eight bit days. No, but, the, but we could Nintendo games. We could hook up and, and we could play. Uh, uh, you have Xbox or you have PlayStation. I have PlayStation. All right. So you have PlayStation. So you and I have played Fortnite together. So if we really wanted to, (laughs) yeah, if we really want, we stink, by the way. But if you you really wanted to, yeah, if if we really wanted to, we could actually, you know, we could download the new uh, MLB 2020 and, and, and we could go at it head to head. I mean, there's so many things now that you could do. But I was just saying this the other day, my between my mom and my grandfather, they taught me so many mm-hmm. card games that I'm yep. teaching my my daughter's card games. And, and you just got to find ways to pass the time. And now you have Netflix and you have Amazon Prime. You have all these things that you could just yep. sit and watch and find a show or find a movie that you watched a long time ago. There are a lot of things to do. But 
being quarantined and, you know, uh, homeschooling the kids, it does get to a point, it's only been a week, but it does get to a point where you need to find different things to do and keep your kids occupied, but you got to get creative and you got to, oh yeah, you know, you just, you have to, you have to think outside the box and you always have oh. to be. Uh, the person that you were in the late seventies and in the eighties, you know, when, when your when your parents, when you came home from school and they said, take off your school clothes, put on your play clothes and get outside. Yep. And they didn't see you that's until right. the street lights came on or dinner was ready. So that's the type yep. of thing. Like with the kids now, you just have to think outside the box and, and keep them busy. Absolutely. I mean, Leonard Dean Park was our Facebook. It was, that, it was, that was our, yeah, and, and does this feel like one long snowstorm where you listen to oh my God. in the morning yes, to see you're if South River right. was closed, and then when you had a delayed opening, you wanted to destroy your radio and throw it against the wall <laughs> or something. But, but yeah, do you remember that? Like, like they would go through all uh, the yeah. s, they would go through all the <laughs> s names, and South River yep. wasn't one of them. And you, yeah, you want to pick up the radio. You were listening to WCTC, and you wanted to pick up mm-hmm. the damn radio and throw it out the window. Absolutely. Oh. Totally, totally. So, so I, you know, listen, I, go ahead. I'm sorry. No, no, no. You go ahead. Oh, no. Go for it. You got this. Man. Well, I, this is a sports podcast. So I'd be remiss if I didn't get into some sports with you. I just talked you up as someone who's being very uh, akin and in tune with everything that's going on in the world of sports. You always have been. I remember we mm-hmm. used to sit in study hall at South River High School, and it was either paper football or we were breaking yep. down the MLB, NBA, NHL, or uh, Major League Baseball. So yeah. it, it stayed like that, too. I mean, we, we stay in touch via text. We're 3,000 miles away, but that doesn't mm-hmm. stop us from staying in touch with one another. And, and you know, I got to ask you, Brian is a huge, huge Buffalo Bills fan. I mean, I have yep. never encounters I, I know there's Bills Mafia out there. You see it on Twitter all yep. the time. You see like all these Bills fans that uh, live and die and, and, and breathe with every snap that this team takes. But there is no one that I've known in my lifetime. And, you know, this is our 48th year circling around the sun, me and you. And mm-hmm. I, I have never met anyone as rabid a Bills fan as Brian Sanborn. And I have to ask you. <laughs> Now that Tom Brady is officially out of the AFC East, and I'm giving you the floor, how do you feel, my friend? You remember in Christmas Vacation when Chevy Chase finally gets the lights to go on and they sing Hallelujah? <laughs> That's exactly how I feel the second I heard Tom Brady leaving. Like, oh I, that, that is, it's like the lights went on and the... The whole division has opened up finally after 20 long, arduous years of dealing with that smugness of Tom Brady and, and the Boston fans. It's, it's wonderful. It, it, it's about time. I, and listen, I'm not about to write off New England for good because I still know there's this you know guy named Bill Belichick rolling around on their sidelines. But it, it, it's just a symbol of it's finally over. I mean, even Jet fans and Dolphins fans can finally Say to themselves, Pat Thompson. Hey, we have a chance. <laughs> Pat Thompson, Mike Tita, all the Jeff fans. And Jeff fans there you go. Too. I mean, you know, they, they've been long and, you know, it's been a long time for them too, just like us. And, you know, and, you know, and Bill's Mafia, it's family. It, it's amazing just how 
much that team means to that city. I, it, it's something that I, I could tell anybody who's never been there. If you have a chance to go to Buffalo City game, do it. Because it's the last beckon of what football was back in the old day, 80s and 90s, that we do have left. How much more, you know, old, how much more of it, Brian? Because we see the bar stool, like Bill's Mafia stuff, where the people jumping mm-hmm. through tables that are on fire. If you cut yeah. through that nonsense, give us a mm-hmm. feel of what it's like. I know it's just not that. I, I know there's a lot of chicanery and there's a lot of nonsense that goes on in the parking lot. But but mm-hmm. paint us a picture. What What is Buffalo really like on a Sunday oh, yeah. in Orchard Park? Oh, yeah. I mean, the knuckleheads are, are common. I mean, they're there. I mean, there are the ones that jump off the table to the fire. And, you know, it gets a little comedic at times, but that doesn't really represent. You, you know what it's like, Chris? It's almost like a big college town. Okay. You know, you go, you go down. Like, I remember the days when they made the Super Bowl. And, and this was a while ago, and my dad and I would drive around town. And all the stores, you know, go Bills. They got Bills flags everywhere. It, it's unbelievable. It's nothing like I've ever seen. I mean, I am telling you, from a, from a pro football point of view I'm talking about here right so yeah because New York is so big right even though there's the giant fans are amazing you get swallowed up in in just the enormity of the tri-state area right right but in a place like like Buffalo it really I'm sure Green Bay is a similar there's some other places that are like that so that's what makes it so magical to me is I mean I don't know if you saw this past year when they made the playoffs and fans were waiting for them at the airport at two in the morning yeah, when it was snowing. Mm-hmm. Like they came, it's like they won a Super Bowl. They clinched the playoff spot for <laughs> crying out loud. I mean, it's just you know, and Josh Allen takes a picture and it gets put in a Buffalo museum. Yeah, well, hey, let's let, let, let's be are. let's yeah. be fair. That's that's two playoff yeah. appearances since 1999. So. Yeah, I, yeah, I, so I like, understand. Right. Like Tyrod Taylor mm-hmm. wasn't wasn't taking you to the Super Bowl, but correct. What? Yeah. And, and that's no shade on Tyrod Taylor. I mean, he still got the Bills into the playoffs for the first time since 1999, yes, a couple of years back. He sure did. But mm-hmm. he, he, here's my question: What what makes you and and Bills Mafia looking forward, especially what the Bills have done the past couple of off seasons? And, and, and mm-hmm. we're hoping sports comes back, obviously, and, and, yep. and we're hoping yep. everybody is smart and does the right thing so we can get back to normalcy here in the United States of America. And if we do that, mm-hmm. what makes you so excited about the prospects of the 2020 season and beyond, Brian? Oh, well, I mean, it started two years ago with the change in culture at the top with Brandon Bean as GM and McDermott as coach, and, and you could just see it. I mean, the type of players they're bringing in, that the... the the, the plan that they laid out. I mean, they, they took their hits for a couple of years with a cap, and now they, they're developing Josh Allen. He's got some he's got some improvement to make. I mean, he still has his moments where you see throws. You're like, he, he'll make a throw, Chris. That I, I just sit there and say, I can only think of two guys that can make that throw that I've ever seen. And then the next throw, <laughs> he looks like me down at uh, Denny Stadium trying to try out <laughs> for the high school quarterback. Yeah, it, it's really it, it's unbelievable. So. He still has some work to do, but he, he's entertaining, but they're well under the cap, and I just think they're, they're building a, a team that's going to be, you know, when you're a sports fan, Chris, everybody talks about, oh, it's about winning Super Bowl, winning Super Bowl. It is very, very hard to win a Super Bowl, as I know, okay? As you, even you know. I mean, the Giants, they were four, but look at all the times that they missed, right? Yeah. You want to put yourself in a position to have chances to win. The Super Bowl. Yeah, That's Plax- what you Plaxico at the it's club. Like the, he he probably took yeah, an appearance well, away from us. Yeah, so. yeah that was almost uh, yeah. Uh, it, 
it was almost a symbol. Like as soon as he shot himself, with like the whole giant. Yeah, and because the Giants, the Giants lost the divisional round to the Panthers that year, and it was just like, mm-hmm. wow, really? This is the season. I think they had one loss mm-hmm. at the time yep. that that happened, and then the season yep. went to absolute mm-hmm. dog mess yep. after that. So, you know, you you brought up Denny Stadium. So let me sidetrack a little bit here because I think Mm -hmm. I think we'd be remiss, you and I, if we Mm -hmm. didn't talk about a little history of South River football. And I don't think a lot of people know the rich history that uh, is in the town that we grew up in at that football stadium at Denny Stadium. You know, you got guys like Alex Wojciechowicz, who was one of the seven Mm -hmm. blocks of granite with Fordham. He was on the line with Vince Lombardi. And then, of course, oh, yeah. he went on to the Eagles, and he's in the Eagles' ring of honor. Uh, mm-hmm. At the link, by the way, you have Joe Theismann. Or, uh, he's, he's the cousin of our friend John Herbst, by the way. That's right. Um, sure is. And my grandfather, until the day he died, called him Joey Teisman. Of course, Theismann mm-hmm. changed the pronunciation of his name to rhyme with Heisman when he was at Notre Dame. Uh, yep. A lot of people don't know that either, but my grandfather called him Teisman until the day he passed away. Uh, And also Drew Pearson, who... This is the main reason I wanted to bring this up, by the way. South River is Mm -hmm. rich in football history. And and Drew Pearson, uh, there's been some debate on whether or not he should be in the Pro Football Hall of Fame. And I think this is a slam dunk. Now, if if you compare his numbers to guys in his era, like a Lynn Swan, Lance Allworth, guys that were... um, Mm -hmm comparable to him that played in the same era as he did. He's the only one, Brian, that was on the all decades team from the seventies. He's the only player out of the Mm -hmm. 18 players in that all decade team that is not in the hall of fame. And to me with the career he had, and he was in a bad car accident with his brother that killed his brother and, and, yep. and Drew got banged up so much that the doctor said, if you take a wrong hit on the field, you could die. So it, it curtailed his career. You know, Thurman Munson passed away from his injuries, obviously. Everybody mm-hmm. wants him to get into the Hall of Fame posthumously because of yep. maybe his exponential numbers and what he would have meant. Drew Pearson is still with us, thank God. And you could see from the videos, you could Google it how upset, mm-hmm. how distraught he was at the system. Because let's be honest, Brian, I'm not trying to poo-poo what is in Canton right now, but it's not like yeah. <laughs> it's not like the Baseball Hall of Fame where it's so difficult to get in. The, the Pro Football Hall of Fame, it, it seems like they put 10 to 12 guys in every year. And and how, how Drew and that Cowboys offense dominated under Tom Landry for so long mm-hmm. and how he's oh, yeah. not in those hallowed halls, you, you tell me. It's beyond me, though. Well, I'll tell you what. I mean, my, my uncle and I, we went to Dallas this year to see the Bills Cowboys on Thanksgiving, which I, I told you about, right? Yes, and you did. You just got to remember, I mean, first of all, if you ever get a chance to go to that stadium, please do it. It is a mind-blowing experience when you first the walk. The Jerry in. Dome. I, I can't even. <laughs> oh yeah, I I can't even begin to tell you. I I had some explicit explicit comments when I first walked in. It's it's like it's awe-dropping. It it really is. And but you know, Drew, Dallas is a proud franchise. I mean, they have how many great players that passed through, through oh, of Dallas? Course. You know, love them or hate them, right? Drew Pearson's on the Ring of Honor. Okay, and they had some. So we went to this bar. It's um, owned by Randy White, 
and he, they have all these things around. And Drew is all over. The, he's, he's in there. He's in there with all the greats, and you see it in the stadium. I mean, all 70s team, and, you know, he would have put up more numbers if he didn't have the accident. And, right. you know, 480 receptions back in the 70s. That's nothing to shake a stick at. 900 now. Yeah. No, it's a different, different game. I mean, it's, you know, if Drew Pearson played now, he would have 80, 90 catches in his sleep consistently every season. So I, I, you have to think he about it. He had Tony things. Hill I mean, on the other side, too. It's mm-hmm. not like he didn't have slouches, yeah. you know, on the other yeah. side of him as well. Un- uh, unfortunately, there's always a few players, and, and this is true even in baseball. We've seen it with Don Mattingly a little bit, right? Where you have. Oh, don't get me great started. Players. <laughs> yeah, but you have great players that sometimes being on great franchises hurts their chances of getting into the Hall of Fame because they've had so many others. There's always that one, like that last piece of meat on the Hall of Fame roast. You just, you just gets cut off. You know what I mean? And for, it's unfair, but it just, it seems to happen. Yeah, you know, I, I, I don't understand why, but it just does. Now you know what? He had Butch Johnson. He had Tony Hill on those teams. Mm-hmm. Roger Staubach had a lot of weapons. He had, he had Dorsett in the backfield. He had Pearson. He had uh, Tony Hill. He had Butch Johnson. Mm-hmm. It, it, when when you're when you get that many receptions with with that much talent around you, and you had mm-hmm. so many impactful receptions in your career, now look, mm-hmm. I, I know they didn't win a lot of Super Bowls. I think Drew, Drew has one ring, um, mm-hmm. so maybe, but but we're past we're past that. You know, when we were growing up, that's what the Hall of Fame was like qualifying you for how many championships you had. You know, Don Mattingly, that's what, that, that was the big bugaboo with him. Well, how many championships did he have? Yeah, well, he got hurt. Mm-hmm. And guess what? He didn't turn to steroids or HGH for his back to elongate his career, so he didn't put up yep. the numbers. And, and that's just another story for another time yep. with the steroids. You, you know I don't want to get into that. Just, but. but, Chris, just listen to this for one second, okay? You talk about Super Bowls, right? In Drew's career, I'll just give you some numbers from the 70s, okay? When did Drew get drafted? What year? 70? 71? Uh, I, I think it was 70. Let me check for you. Though. 70. Okay. And I think he played to about 82. I want to say 82 or 83. Drew got drafted. Stand by. He was out of Tulsa. Mm-hmm. Amazing he came from Tulsa. Was yeah, that good I know. But, <laughs> uh, but, but more importantly, he came from South River, by the way. That's right. Um, uh, it doesn't say, oh, it doesn't have a draft here for some reason. I don't know. Yeah, what he I'm going to say, well, he graduated from South River. Oh, wait, I'm sorry. He graduated in 69. So he probably got drafted in 74. So let's say 74, 75, right? Well, let's say for arguments, uh, you know what? Let's use the year we were born, 73. I, there's a reason why I say this. Listen to the records of the Cowboys during Drew's time. You ready? They were 10 and 4. He was eight, undrafted. He was undrafted yeah. in 1973. Undrafted. Okay. So they were 10 and 4 in 73. They lost the conference title. 8, eight and 6 in 74. They lost the Super Bowl in 75. They went 10 and 4. 11 and 3 in 76. 12 and 2 is where they won the Super Bowl. 12 and 4. 11 and 5. 12 and 4. 12 and 4. You hear these records? Yeah. Yeah, these teams they were like they were almost New England like. Yes, without the Super Bowl wins, right? They lost. They lost Super Bowls. They lost conference championships one, two, three, four, five times. 
I mean, these teams were great. The Falcons were really great. It's just that they ran into Pittsburgh and yeah. Miami back in the day. Yeah. So you can't, you know, you have to look at some of the parts. Like you said, everybody looks at just the Super Bowl, right? I mean, even look at Tom Brady. I mean, he won six Super Bowls, but, oh, 15 times he failed. Does that mean he's a failure? Yeah. No. I mean, you know, he made – he's been extraordinary his entire career. So you have to always look at the big picture with that. And, you know, we don't have any famous basketball players that came out of South River that, that, that went on to play for the Knicks. But I can remember <laughs> uh, in the mid to late 90s, your mother's apartment in Serval, New Jersey, being the hotbed. Uh, I know we have the we have the coronavirus now. Me, you, and a bunch of our friends had the Knicks virus back then. I mean, it was yeah, we were drinking. We were and we were drinking Coronas. Oh my years, goodness! Um, it was <laughs> it was just so. It was a different time, man. You could actually play defense. I know the NBA. See, I, correct me if I'm wrong, and maybe it's just me. Maybe I'm on an island, but I get these tweets from NBA accounts with mm-hmm. Trey Young or Steph Curry hitting a shot from the the logo at midcourt. That doesn't do anything for me. I, I don't know if it's just me or whatever. I want to see basketball played. I want to see team. I want to see ball movement. I want to see flow. I don't want to see a guy mm-hmm. isolating and taking a shot from the hawk. I, you yeah. know, the logo at midcourt. That doesn't, you know, that might get the millennials, that might get all these young kids like in a tizzy, but to me, Brian, yeah. maybe it's just me. I want to know if it's you too. Like, we grew mm-hmm. up, we grew up with those Celtics teams, those Laker teams that seemed to play every Sunday on CBS. I can remember going over Donnie Smucko's house. We would play mm-hmm. basketball in his backyard. He had that little yep. goal in his that. backyard, right, right under oh, his yeah. deck on Fifth Street in South uh-huh. River. And, and it yep. was right up the street from your house, by the way. Mm-hmm. Uh, and we mm-hmm. used to go and we used to play. And then his mom used to have snacks for us. And we'd go in the house and we'd watch Lakers Celtics. And we would just yep. sit there in awe, like the late Dennis Johnson, Larry Bird, Kevin McHale, Robert Parrish, Danny Ainge, Bill Walton, uh, James Worthy, Kareem Abdul-Jabbar, mm-hmm. Magic Johnson, Kurt Rambis. Yep. <laughs> Kurt Rambis. I mean, oh, the, there's there, Brian, but it was basketball. I'm not even yeah. talking about like 86, 85, 84. I'm talking about like mid-90s too. Derek Harper, before they got rid of Mm -hmm. the hand check. I mean, you could actually Mm -hmm. play defense. That was basketball. And I know I I sound sound like an old head or an old hat or Mm -hmm. whatever the kids call us now. But today, to me, it's it's just not basketball, man. This is not basketball. Threes, analytics, it's not basketball. Analytics have a part in sports, they but it's do, taking but... over a little too much. It should just, you know what? Why was boxing so big back in the old day? Why they had heavyweights, right? Because heavyweights, they had personality, right? they had flair, they, they talked. Had personality, yeah. And what's missing from the NBA right now? Where is the traditional center? Where'd they gone? Well, you know, people like those guys like Ewing, Lajuan, you know, Shaquille O'Neal. Right, that that's part of it. They're like the dodo bird now, though. Yeah, it's almost like in hockey. Like as much as I love hockey, there's you know those charismatic fighters like Ty Domi and Matthew Barnaby and guys like that are gone. 
I mean, if you can't, you know, if you can't, analytics is taking over in this NHL. As much as I love the sport, you know, there's something just missing. And I know what you're saying. The same thing with basketball. Um, I mean, I, I appreciate good ball movement and things like that, the way LeBron James plays and whatnot. But there's just so there's there is something missing, and and I can't describe it. I, I totally agree with. Look, you. if if you watch if you watch games between the top six eight teams in the league, I, mm-hmm. I get it. I get into it. But you're yeah. talking about then if if you cut it off at the top eight teams, you're talking mm-hmm. about twenty two other teams. That you're just sitting there going, I, I, I don't need to watch this. Why am I watching this game? You know what I mean? Yeah. It, it, I, I don't know. Maybe it just seems like I can't remember too much about what went on back then in that NBA. But I do remember. Well, I do mm-hmm. remember that it was more of a team game, and it was more right. of ball movement, flow, uh, a true point guard. That's mm-hmm. another thing that's missing. There's no true point guard. There's no true position. You know, everybody could play every position now. It, it's, yeah, it's, it's almost too generic. It's yes, too generic. The, the positions yeah. are fluid. You know, there's no more mm-hmm. one, two, three, four, five. It's just, um, I don't even know. It's like X. <laughs> it's like solve for X. Yep. And you know how bad I am at algebra. <laughs> yep, yep. And the other thing is, there's not a lot of animosity either, and I think that's what sells sports. Oh, there's, I remember, but that's that's rampant everywhere, Brian. That's rampant in know, baseball. Everybody well, patting each other on the high knee before the game. I want some animosity like the Yankees and White Sox, Yankees and Red Sox back in the day. That's what I want. Yeah, yeah. Oh, even like you know the Lakers, Orioles, Yankees. That, yeah, Lakers. that too. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Totally. I mean, and that's that's part of it too. And as much as you know, I went on about New England. The fact that they were such a villain was actually great for the sport. As much as I hate to admit it, it's just the truth. I mean, and the, and the numbers back it up, the ratings back it up. Well, what, a lot of, Brian, what the they've that, done since 2000, mm-hmm. 2001, oh, yeah. what other team has done that? What other team in any other league has commanded that much, not only respect, but, and then look, there's Spygate, there's Deflategate, there's all these things that oh, follow yeah. them. I get it. Mm-hmm. I'm not going to sit here and get on an ivory tower or soapbox and say how great they are without them, you know, cutting lines here and there. Because let's mm-hmm. be honest, as a Bills fan and as Mike Teed as a Jet fan, I can't sit here oh. and wax poetic about the Patriots without pointing out a couple of their foibles as well. But what other team oh, yeah. in what other league has had the success for two straight decades. What other team? Tell me. Not consistently like that. Not consistent. I mean, not getting to a championship like the Yankees. The Yankees have no. been much like that in the regular season. They've been competitive, but they haven't gotten yep. to the World Series and won it with the same no. uh, uh, acceleration as the Patriots. Yank- yep. Yankees had a couple years where they missed the playoffs a couple years. I mean, yeah. Was retiring, and they, they had a couple of, quote-unquote, by their standards, bad seasons, right? But, you know... So no one team, so Brian, has dominated for the past two decades the way the Patriots have. Plain and simple. Right now, nobody. So I completely nobody. get where you're coming from with, with how yeah. they're doing things. But let's get back to the Knicks because I'm going to set okay. this up and you're going to tell the story because I've, I've okay. told Frank Isola this uh, in our production, like when our production meeting ends... I've told Richard oh, no. <laughs> Jefferson, I've told Frank Isola, 
I've told Jim Spinarkle. So this story is among all of our Nets analyst talent at the Yes Network uh, of what Brian Sanborn. <laughs> see, and this isn't a this this isn't a shock to Nets fans. Okay, I, I've I've talked about myself uh, throughout my life being a Knicks fan, and you know I root for the Nets. I'm uh, listen. You you call me whatever you want. It, it, I, it, it's impossible not to root for guys like Dinwiddie and, and Karis LeVert and Joe mm-hmm. Harris. I root for them, but I'm still a Knicks fan at heart. That's what I grew yep. up with. Yep. I, I bleed blue and orange. Uh, you know, unfortunately nowadays when I do get a cut, blue and orange does come out. Um, but we were the term rabid sports fan doesn't even come close to the <laughs> to the definition of the type of Knicks fan that me, Brian, and our circle of friends were. We can't forget oh. we can't forget Jeff Noto. Uh, we yes. can't we can't forget Chris Palachko. We can't forget all these guys that used to come to these pretty much curb your enthusiasm style Knicks parties <laughs> at your mother's condo. Uh, in Serval. Yeah. And, and, you know, it, it, I bring up Curb Your Enthusiasm. Your mom was on The Price is Right and actually won stuff. So I think that's a pretty cool story, yeah. too. But and I watched, at your, I watched it at your house. Remember, you used to work for, I think, were you working for MSNBC? I probably yeah, was. The, the yeah. yeah. I think you were. And then we, I, we used to come over and I, we had a party for it. I remember that. We had a party it was tremendous. <laughs> seeing, seeing your mom go to contestants yeah. row. And then winning that stuff was absolutely yep. amazing. You know, knowing someone oh, you grew God. up with and seeing their mom on TV with Bob Barker for crying out loud mm-hmm. and, and being able to win that stuff on The Price is Right. I mean, that's a great memory. But here, here's... By the way, do you know what I got that call? Do you know what I got that call? Just when did you get Yankee it? memory on that? She called me when Andrew Jones was hitting those bombs at Yankee Stadium when the Braves took a 2 nothing lead in the series. Really? The that was 1996? Mm-hmm. That was 96. Wow. That was, and I was home for that game. And I remember she said, yeah, I got on the prices, right? And I was like, oh, that's cool. And I kind of lifted my spirits after those two Yankee games. It was terrible. <laughs> but, of course, we, we know we recovered when we went to South River Pub. All right. Well, well since you – wait. All right. We're going to put the Knicks on standby. This is how okay. this works. This Here is an organic – no, this is why I love my podcast and how I do this. It's an organic conversation. Mm-hmm. So since you brought yeah. up 1996 – Let's talk yeah. about 1996 for just a second. Yankees go down 2 nothing. They get absolutely yeah. destroyed at Yankee Stadium. You and I, I remember, we're both, uh, I was 23. You were 22 going to be 23. Yeah. So yeah. we are, and you have to remember everybody that's out there listening, Brian and I lived through the 80s and early 90s as Yankee fans. Oh, yeah. And even though the oh, Yankees yeah. through the 80s were one of the most winningest teams in the majors, you could look it up, they were, they didn't mm-hmm. get to the playoffs. They got to the playoffs in 1981, and they lost to the Dodgers in the World Series. After that happened, yep. yeah, they might have won a lot of games, but we lived through, and, and no shade to these guys, you know, good major leaguers, but Greg Catteray, Eric Plunk, I mean, mm-hmm. and we remember we can't we can't forget our good friend Rhett Krobach, uh, yeah, who, who passed away uh, in yeah. two thousand. What was it? Eleven? Yeah, no, I can't believe that. Yeah, I, he was not even 
37 years of age and he passed mm-hmm. away. He was in a bad car accident mm-hmm. when we were younger, when we were sophomores in high school. And 21 years later, he finally succumbed to his, uh, his various amounts of injuries. But mm-hmm. we were all big time Yankee fans, huge Yankee fans. They go down to nothing. We were despondent. Okay, the Yankees mm-hmm. go down to Atlanta. And I remember, uh, I don't know if it was called Simcoe's or Yasbo's back then, but in Cerville, that bar. Yes. Uh, it Simcoe's was, at the time, I yes, think. Yes, the Yankees, behind David Cohn, I believe, in game three, the Yankees won. And then game yeah, four, were pretty big. game four, mm-hmm. they had Kenny Rogers. And mm-hmm. RIP to the other Kenny oh. Rogers, he yeah, passed what a, away. What a day to talk about Kenny Rogers, yeah. But Kenny Rogers, the baseball player, started that game. And the Yankees were down 6 nothing, And I believe it was heading into the fourth or fifth inning. And that's when yeah. Big Cess got us back in the game. Cecil Fielder yeah. uh, got a huge double. And then Charlie Hayes drove him in to have the lead to 6-3. Uh-huh. And my, I, I will never forget this. My younger brother and I, I, I couldn't stay there. I know my cousin Doug was there. Joe Mendoker was there. We were all watching the game. Mm-hmm. But my brother and I had to leave. I said, Mike, I can't, I can't stay here. I can't watch them lose. I can't watch them go down 3-1. Mm-hmm. So we left We left Simcoe's or Yasbo's or whatever the hell it was called. And we drive back to our parents' house in South River. And we get home. And as soon as we get home, honest to God, Leyritz is up against Walters. Wow. Okay. So Wallers is pitching. Layerts is up with two on. And I'll never forget this. My brother is eight, nine years younger than me. He Mm -hmm. ran into my bedroom and tackled me onto my bed when (laughs) Layerts hit that home run and tied the game at six. Now, since then, I've become very close with Jim Layerts. I did a podcast with him in New Brunswick. Uh, just, mm-hmm. I remember, and I know he's gone through his personal battles and his issues, but he's a tremendous human being and he's completely turned mm-hmm. his life around and Good. the Yankees get back on, off the deck. They, instead of being down three, one, they tie the series at two, two. And then Brian, you remember what happened in game five? I do. Was it Luis Polonia who hit the ball and O'Neill caught it? I can't remember that final I think out, so. I but. I remember the last out. I remember Paul O'Neill banging on the wall. Yes. I, I remember that. Yes. Uh, that for sure. Uh, that, that was unbelievable. You know what we did for game six, right? Well, I'm getting there, and this is the thing. Okay. This, this, is what's, this is what's crazy about game six. Mm-hmm. Game yep. six, we had just launched MSNBC in July of 1996. I was there leading mm-hmm. up to the launch. I was involved with the launch. And then in October, the day of game six. (laughs) Now, you got to remember, boys and girls, the Yankees hadn't won a World Series since 1978. 18 years, almost two decades of a drought. You know, you poor kids that were born in 1990 and saw all that winning. And then the one in 2009, my heart bleeds for you. Brian and I mm-hmm. spent almost two decades waiting for another World Series championship. So, Game 6 is scheduled. On the same night, we have our launch party at the Liberty Science Center 
mm-hmm. in Newark or Jersey City, New Jersey. And they yep. said in an email, it's mandatory. We're taking attendance. You all have to be there. I even went to my boss. I said, you don't understand. It's game six. I, my, my friends are going to the South of the Republic. I need, you need to come to the party. I was like, ugh. So I go to the party. Back at that time, you can make fun of me all you want. I had a Pontiac Sunfire. It was the closest thing. It was the closest <laughs> thing I could get to a, a Firebird. I I, I wasn't yep. that well off. I couldn't afford the Firebird back then. It was pretty were, much like if you took you were balling. If you took if you took a Firebird and took both of your hands, you were able to shrink it with both of your hands. That was a Sunfire. So that's why I got it. So anyway. <laughs> I get in my Pontiac Sunfire after about an hour of showing my face at this MB- MSNBC stupid launch party. I got in my yep. car, and if there's any police officers listening on the New Jersey Turnpike that were on duty on that date in 1996, <laughs> I want to thank you for not pulling me over. I am not proud of this fact. I'm not proud of it. But I will be honest. I hit 100 miles an hour on, in my Sunfire trying to get to the south of a pub to watch the final innings with my best friends. Now, I got to the light, and you'll know this. I don't know. No one else that's not Mm -hmm. from South River or from the Middlesex County area in New Jersey will know this. But I got to the light at Prospect Street, Mm -hmm. okay, Um, Mm -hmm. where you get off of 18 uh, at Prospect Street, which is a one-way where ShopRite is and GameStop is. And uh, Witty's Liquor Store, if you're at that light, you're staring at Mm Witty's Liquor Store, and there's a bank on your right. So I got to that stop sign, Brian, or stoplight, and it was the top of the eighth, and Rivera was on. And the last thing I heard when I pulled up to the south of her pub and stopped my car was, struck him out swinging! And they were going to the bottom of the eighth. I walked into the bar. And I could still remember this vividly. Then I want you to take the the reins here because I've been babbling for too long. But I I walked in the bar Mm -hmm. and and anyone who loves sports and who loves sports with friends and especially shares a favorite team, when you walk into an establishment or someone's house and you know that friend likes the same team that you like Mm -hmm. and your team is winning... And they don't expect you and they see your face and the look of extreme joy on their face when they see you and they know their team is about to win the World Series and you're going to share it with them. Mm -hmm. That feeling, that picture, I could still, Brian, I swear on anything, I could still see your face popping up out of your chair. I remember exactly where you were sitting. It wasn't the immediate bar when you walk into the left side of the pub. It was the bar on no, the other side. Yeah, the you, between. Yes. Kind of in between. Yes, you were on yeah. the left-hand side of that bar. Mm-hmm. Mike Tarecki yep. was bartending. You got Mike up. Tarecki, you, wow. You had the biggest <laughs> smile on your face. You threw your arms around me. And when Wetland and Hayes got that last out, Oh my God! Oh, I now, now I, I want to hear when, when Charlie Hayes. Yes, yeah, when I remember that. Last we just out. jumped into each and other's arms. The, but that for people, I remember this. This was a three-two game. I yes, mean, was, but wait, the Braves stop, 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 stop. Right? I want you. I just told my story. Now I want to hear because I never heard your story. 
about that game at the pub until I got there. So please tell me what the feel was, uh, what people were like, uh, how nuts it was when Girardi hit that triple. Just give me a feel oh, of what was going on before I got there. Triple, the Girardi triple was one of the greatest roars I ever heard in South River Pub history. I mean, it was just wow. I mean, and everybody was just all in. I mean, we're just dancing around, high-fiving, just, you know, the beers are flowing. And I just, you know, I, and then from there, you know, it's just every pitch. You're just hanging on every single pitch. And this is really the first time, from my point of view, that I've ever been involved in that. Because, yeah, we were in our early 20s. None of our right. teams were really doing that great. So it really brought us all together. I mean, it was like half the, felt like half the town was there, even though it wasn't, right? And then I just, I just remember that ninth inning with you. And just the, the edge of your seat, you know, wetlands. And, you know, wetlands always made things a little interesting. Yeah, he right? was a white knuckler for sure, yeah. <laughs> yeah, so he was, you know, and then when the Braves scored, you start, you know, and I just, I will never forget that moment when Charlie Hayes, and this is one of my favorite parts of the of his out, is when he, he takes his fist and he puts it in his glove like that right before the catch. I love that part about that whole thing. Is that, you know, while the ball's in the air, he hits his mitt before he catches it and yep. he gets it. And I just, all I remember is I leap so high, I almost hit. You remember in between the bar where, I think they, what are those wooden structures there yes. that you can lean up against? Yeah, yeah, I yeah. I almost hit my head on the top of that. Thing. <laughs> and I, we were just hugging, going crazy. And that place was going bananas. I mean, sweating like I, I had a workout at, you know, New York Sports Club for an hour. I mean, it was just unbelievable, <laughs> right? And, and we're just booze. And, and you know, just a little sub story to that. The next day, me and Plotka would see an Eagles game in Philadelphia, right? And this is the day after, and I wore Yankee stuff, and I'm going through the 700 level. Yeah, Yankees! And people are throwing pretzels at me, and they're booing me. And stuff. <laughs> I didn't care. I said, bring it on. It was wonderful. It was, it was the best feeling. I, it was like the first, you know, nothing's better than the first championship, right? No, I mean, no. I, I, you know, and some of the younger Yankee fans will hopefully experience that someday. I hope so. I hope so too. Well, you know, the next championship is going to be that sweet uh, for Yankee fans because think, think of a I don't know six seven year old who witnessed two thousand nine, and now they're eighteen nineteen years of age. Oh yeah, we we were around. I mean, we were alive for those championships in seventy seven and seventy eight, and we saw them lose in eighty one, but. You know, they're not really burned into our brains. We can't really remember, you know, Chris Chambliss in 1976 sending the Yankees to the World Series, even though they got absolutely destroyed by the Big Red Machine. But, you know, we see those highlights. We were here for that, but we can't remember it. Mm -hmm. So for the next one, for those kids who only saw 2009 when they were younger, it's kind of going to be the same thing for them when the Yankees win another world championship for, as mm-hmm. it was for us between 78 and 96 yep. and, and boys and girls, if Brian and I can go from 78 to 96 and, and survive, you can keep surviving from 2009. Trust me. It's, it's going to be okay. The Yankees and their management and their ownership, they, they put a team out there that competes every single season. That's not a lot Yep. Uh, that a lot of other fans could say. Now, we got to go back to the Knicks story, uh, and we're going to wrap up. We're going up. on in fifth. We're going on in 
affinity with I, I know, I know, but we're, <laughs> we're going to wrap up with the Knicks story because this, this has to be one of my favorite Brian Sanborn, Chris Sheeran stories of all time. And that's excluding, you know, playing Castlevania after school <laughs> at your house, uh, playing Super Mario Brothers uh, until it got dark out and I had to go home. Uh, basketball practice uh, at the middle school, playing in the championship game, SREA versus uh, what was your team? in? in oh, no, you guys were, we were, we Elks? I think we were the Elks. You were the Elks. David Paul was on your team. I had, yeah, I had all my friends were on SREA. I'm with, I was with like, Lou Silva, Klaus Rinkin. <laughs> you know, we used to give her, we gave her a towel like Jerry Tartanian. We used to oh think we were like the running wrestle. Remember Lou used to have the UNLV starter jacket? Oh, of course. <laughs> Do you remember those days? Louis, I mean, that's how the kind of team we were. I mean, we were I'll, I'll tell you this. Court. I'll tell you this. Yeah. Louis Silva, he used uh-huh. to come into homeroom. That guy yeah. knew more about college basketball than anyone yeah. I've ever talked to in my life. He, he oh, used yeah. to get so excited. Like, he talked about Mookie Blaylock like it was like the second coming of Christ. <laughs> I, I, I swear, <laughs> he, he was just so into it, and he was so good, man. He used to dribble yep. rings around people, not only in middle school, but in high school as well. Mm-hmm. So, Amazing. all right, let, 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 let's, get, let's get to this next thing. It, All right. They're playing the Pacers. Now, I don't remember what year it was. All of them bleed together with me. Um, they do. But we're at, I'll set the scene, and then Brian's going to tell the story. It's a bunch of us. It's me. It's Brian. It's Jeff Noto. I don't know if Palachko was there, but I know me, you, and Maybe. Jeff were there. And yeah. they're playing the Pacers, and it's a contentious game. Uh, it's a contentious series, as it always was with Indiana. And we're sitting there on the couch, and this is what happened. Brian, go ahead. Take it away. <laughs> <laughs> so I don't remember the exact play, but something that, of course, the Knicks nemesis, Reggie Miller, would do to us many times, basically piss us the heck off. Right? <laughs> I mean, just to put it in the best terms I possibly can without being too vulgar. Yeah, that's right? fine. That's fine. I, I, I don't, I, I'm trying to recall if it was 94 was it game five with the Spike Lee choke side? I I don't remember. I, I really don't remember. It could like, have been. Like Isola, is so good at that. Like he said something yeah. about Ewing and and missing a shot, and I said, "Oh, the 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 missed finger roll." He goes, "No, no, 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 that was ninety no. five. I know it wasn't that because I was with my <laughs> grandfather for that game. That I remember. Oh, okay. But I I, I believe it was ninety. I'm gonna say it was ninety four. I think it was game five, actually. Okay. I I really do. I, I really think it was, you know, and Reggie, you know, because we had to collapse that game, the Knicks were winning, and I just remember, what did I do on the television? I uh, sprayed, not sprayed it with the Lysol that everybody's looking for right now in the world, <laughs> but but I sprayed it with my own uh, spit, I would say, all over the TV. That was a way of cleaning my television. Isn't oh, my correct? God. See, you got to understand, like, Brian, Brian would get, we, we'd all get intense. But Brian, yeah. like Spinal Tap, the movie, he, he, <laughs> he had the setting of 11 on his amp. Like everybody else would yeah. be, be oh. at a 10. Brian would take it to 11. And, and he knew it would get a rile out of all of us. 
So he would mm-hmm. even amp it up to 12. So, yep. so he got up and he was screaming at Reggie Miller. And it was, yeah. I'm telling you, dude, it was, it's one of my favorite memories because you could have done it at any time. But NBC, mm-hmm. he waited for NBC to cut to a close-up of Reggie Miller before he hocked <laughs> a loogie all over <laughs> Reggie, which was all over his mother's brand-new 27-inch TV. <laughs> I don't know. It's just such... Well, at least it got clean. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. It, it, it's one of my favorite stories, dude. And, oh, and, man, yeah. Now, Ruber doesn't know how much uh, alcohol I had in my system at the time. Well... That's, that's to be... Yeah. There, there could have been quite a bit in my system at that moment. But, when I was but we were doing it responsibly. We were at your house. Of course. Uh, we could all yep. stay there if we needed to. So we, we drank responsibly. And we did the right thing. Yeah. But listen... I, I, I need to thank you because we're, we're coming up on 49. <laughs> I, no, we're coming up on 49 minutes here and it's 49 mm-hmm. minutes of, of normalcy uh, in, in a week, yeah. in the first week of this battle that we're all going through as a country. And, and look, stuff like this, stories like Brian and I are, are talking about, it, it, it's just to help us get through these times. And, and Brian's doing his damnedest out there in California, and I and I thank him for giving us a feel of how it is three thousand miles away from where I am in Connecticut. And, you know, we both mm-hmm. have we both have parents. Uh, Brian has both of his parents. God bless him. My mom uh, is in New Jersey. Mm-hmm. Uh, my father passed away in November, uh, and mm-hmm. and it's it's been very it, it's been a difficult road for me. I. Mm-hmm. I, I tend to talk about it a lot, so I, it helps me yep. get through mm-hmm. it. Uh, but in a way, with the condition he was in, this would yeah. have made me not sleep every day if he was correct. still with us. Yeah, absolutely correct. Uh, yeah, he, and uh, you know, and just for everybody listening, I mean, any of the stories that Chris has told about, as I call, as I actually call Mr. S, right, your father, Mr. S, yeah, are, are absolutely true. I mean, I I had the utmost respect for your dad. I mean, they always made me feel like family when I was there since I was a kid. You know, growing up, coming through the Sheridan household, infinite amount of times, right, in, yeah. in, in my life. So, so I mean, I you know, I definitely can attest that I felt a lot of pain on that too. But yeah, I, I agree with you. You know, and, and right now, you know, just take care of mom, and you know, for anybody out there, just you know, look out for. Look out for your neighbors. I mean, I just had a neighbor in my development just yell to our window was open, say, "You guys need anything? You guys need anything?" And that's what's important right now because yeah. we're going to have a lot of. There's, have we? You know what, Chris? Just to bring out one quick memory. Go ahead. You and I both. We, you and I both lived through nine eleven. Okay. Yes, and we did. You, we were both impacted by, of course, the loss of Dink, of course, in different levels than we all were, right? Chris Dinkoff, so who we have to say, yeah, you know, I've, I've talked yeah. about it many times on the mm-hmm. podcast, but just so if, if you're listening to this for the first time, uh, mm-hmm. Chris Dinkoff, who was 31 years of age mm-hmm. back in 2001, he was our very good friend from South River, and, and we mm-hmm. lost him in the North Tower on September 11th. But go ahead, Brian. Totally. And, and you remember how... September 10th and September 11th is also different, right? Yeah. I mean, September 10th was Giants football Monday night. Ed McCaffrey broke his leg. Denver, the Giants yeah. Lost, I remember that. Right? It was the first week of the Monday night football season. And then the next day was totally different. Imagine taking that and sending it basically throughout the entire world. Yeah. Right? 
And it continues, but we have nothing to draw off of as an experience of how this is going to go. So my advice to everybody out there, and this is for you, watch what you have to watch on the news, okay? Turn it off because you're going to drive yourself crazy. If you, it's going to get a lot worse before it gets better. You know, the losses are going to be, I don't even want to anticipate it, but it's going to be a lot higher than I think people realize. But we're going to beat it. We're, we're going to get through it, and it's going to be amazing, Chris. What sport blooms first on this coronavirus thing? Yeah. What sport says, you know, and, and are we going to have, is Yankee Stadium, is Mass Square Garden going to be open fans right away? Are fans going to be offensive about going back to is the economy, are we going to have unemployment at 30% or more where people can afford to go to games? Are we going to roll back salaries in these sports? There's going to be a lot of things that we haven't even gotten to yet that nobody's yeah. thinking about that could come up. I mean, I'm not sure about the NFL. I think the NFL will be okay, but sports like hockey and even, you know, maybe baseball to an extent, you know, maybe these things are going to, there's going to be a lot of discussion. And it's going to be interesting to see how fast they bring back full arenas or full stadiums even after it's over. Yeah. We don't know. Yeah, well, there's a movie, uh, one of my favorite people on the planet Earth, uh, Bill Murray did, uh, called What About mm-hmm. Bob? And there was, oh, a, <laughs> there was a fictitious book uh, in that movie called Baby Steps by Dr. Leo Marvin. And I think, mm-hmm. even though that's fictitious, I think we have to take that to heart. We can't this is this is my message to everybody. Um, just make sure, as Brian said, and this is one. Of, this is why he's one of my best friends because of his voice of reason and his voice of calm, and uh, how we've gotten each other through a lot of stuff throughout our entire life. And this is why I'm talking mm-hmm. to him not only because of the sports stories, because he's level-headed and 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 he has his stuff together, and he's a good family person. And and I just wanted to have some sense of normalcy on this podcast for people to listen to. And, you know, that that whole baby steps uh, phraseology by Dr. Leo Marvin has to come through here in reality now. Mm-hmm. Don't look too far into the future and just make sure, as Brian said, you're taking care of your family, you're taking care of your older family members as they need it, and, and you're making sure you're, you're checking in on your neighbors and making sure they have everything they need as well. This is the time when we could see the very best in humanity or we could see the very worst in humanity. Let's do the former. Let's see the best in humanity. Let's get through this any way we can. Let's talk about mm-hmm. good memories and, and know that in time, we're going to get through it. I, I, I truly mm-hmm. believe we're going to get through it and we don't have to worry about anything. And, and Brian, I got to tell you, uh, this is great. I, I would really want to do this with you uh, another time. We're, we're approaching an hour here, and it doesn't shock me sure. because I you and I, when we talk hours, normally, we, we talk to. for an hour. It doesn't matter. Yeah. But yeah. I, I would really like to do this at least once a week with you. I'm going to do movie breakdowns with our friend Mike Tita. And it, oh, I can't wait for that. Yeah, Mike, I cannot wait for that Mike, <laughs> Mike, is a, Mike is a different breed. Uh, so... Yeah. This is this is my way, and and it's it's on everybody if they want to listen to it and if they want to get a little escape uh, from time to time. But Mike's a Jets and Mets fan, so he'll give a different perspective uh, from everything else. Brian and I share 
the Yankees, he's got the double Knicks. The pain. He's got double the pain. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> Brian and I share the Yankees and Knicks, but Brian uh, yeah. stays true to his father's roots in Buffalo uh, with his hockey and his football teams. And can yeah. I just w- w- really quick before we go? Okay. Super Bowl twenty-five, Giants Bills. Now, full disclosure, since we talked about Drew Pearson and being from South River, he actually played Mm -hmm. on a semi-pro all-black baseball team with my dad. So I've known Drew pretty much my entire life. So Mm -hmm. until Drew got hurt in the early 80s, I was a Cowboys fan. How could Mm -hmm. I not be a Cowboys fan when I've got their star-wide receiver coming back to South River giving me autographed pictures <laughs> and hugging me and totally. taking pictures with me and holding me as a mm-hmm. baby. So I, I, full disclosure, Cowboys fan. But when Drew got hurt, if I wanted to live in my house, my late father was a huge giant fan <laughs> and away we go. <laughs> Pretty much. Yeah. yeah. So by 1990, I was a giant fan and uh-huh. the Super Bowl is between the bills and the giants in Tampa Bay. <laughs> How about that? Mm-hmm. where Tom Brady yeah, will now reside. It. But it was down in Tampa yep. Bay, the best national anthem sung ever, by the way, the late, great Whitney Houston. Oh, what a... What a Tears all over the sidelines. Yeah. Unbelievable. Mm-hmm. Scott Norwood misses the field goal. This is the God's honest truth, boys and girls. The God's honest truth. As soon as that... My dad, just to give you a sense of the Sheeran household... The TV room was downstairs in our basement. So everybody was down there watching the game. They took a timeout before that field goal. My father left. I remember. He left the basement. He was pacing in my bedroom upstairs. We just heard the the wooden floor squeaking because my father was pacing back and forth. Okay? So I'm on my knee. My older brother's mm-hmm. on his knee. My younger brother, we're all holding hands on our knee, just like the team mm-hmm. was. The yep. kick is up. It goes wide right. Oh. <laughs> we cool. all start jumping all over the place. I ran upstairs to tell my father, who was pacing in my bedroom upstairs. I tell him what happened. The, the, his face just gets like joyous to to exponential like like 10 to the 10th power he gets joyous yeah yeah oh wow within three seconds of that happening the house phone rings you have to remember no cell phones yeah the house house phone rings (laughs) i pick it up there's silence and all i hear i said hello Sherm, my hand was on the Bible. <laughs> and who it was, was it? It was Brian <laughs> Sam. <laughs> I had the guts to call you. You I did. That moment of complete despair. My mother was going crazy because she loved the Giants. Yeah, right. We at it. You know, so we were at it full foe. And I, what I remember, is this a little story about that? Go season? ahead. And I don't know if you remember this. We went to ShopRite in the summer of before that football season and they had a little thing with 25 cents you get the little football helmets mm-hmm. 
And I said to you, we talked, the two helmets that come out will play in the Super Bowl. And what two helmets came out? The Bills and the Giants. Come on, really? Story. I kid you not. I will never forget that for as long as I live. The Bills came out and then the Giants came out. You should have played the lottery play. right after that, my friend. And I, 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 we were too young. So we <laughs> but we were 17. Yeah, 1990. Yeah, we were 17. Yeah, we used to go up to Mid-State Mall or we used to, or Mid-State Bowling. We used to go up there to, you know, but I forget why we were there, but we were there. No, you know and what? That's what happened. We were 16. We were going to be 17. We were 16. Yeah. Yeah, we were 16. And and I will never forget. Like, And what I remember, too. Now, or no, 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 no. That was our senior year of high school. We were 17. We were going to be was. 18. Well, we, 17 yeah, going to be 18. Seven. I just turned 17. So I just turned 17. Um, now, you got to remember living in South River, that was giant country. Right. There were some sprinkles of eagles. Yeah, yeah. Um, and cowboys yeah, and, and Steelers. And cowboys and, you know, and some guy like in the Rams. Who was, they? Who was that guy? He was like the Rams. I and the Dolphins. And the Eagles, the Wanagales with the it, Eagles. Yeah. It was the Giants, though. The Giants. And the, the Mendokers with the Cowboys. <laughs> Yeah, and we got the one Buffalo Bills fan in the whole, well, except for me and Rob Chamberlain. We're the only yes, Bills fans. Yes, Robbie Chamberlain. Going. And I remember I came to school the next day, black head to toe, sneakers, <laughs> black sweater, and I wore a little Bills pin on my sweater. And I said, I'm in mourning. Don't talk about it. I was, I was trying to get a shawl, but I, I couldn't find oh it. Oh, my to, God. You know, to put on my, yeah, the walk. It was just, it was painful. I didn't want to listen to the radio. I didn't want to listen to anything. I thought, I don't want to hear about this guy. Yeah. You know, they go into school and I was like, I, I, no, turn off the radio. I didn't want to listen to anything. It was, oh, that was painful. It was funny. I still watch it from time to time and I still cringe. Yeah. Once it's in a while. It's tough, dude. Just it, a little bit. You know what? The older I get, it's tougher for me too because yeah. I, I feel for you more than I cheer for me. And that's yeah. the God's honest truth. Like mm-hmm. I, well, I tell, I tell Tita this yeah. all the time. I, I want the Jets mm-hmm. to win a championship. I do. Yeah. Nineteen sixty nine I mean, is a long time ago. As painful as Tita's had it, he doesn't even have Super Bowl memories like I do. No, none. Like I've been to four, and he's been to zero. That's right. Special. It's even tougher for a Jet fan, I think. I mean, they had that close call in ninety eight. Vinny they made it against Denver. Yeah, yeah. I mean, they had a ten nothing lead. Two. 82, but we were really young. They made it. Richard Todd. Yeah, the, the Mud Bowl against oh, no, Miami. Richard Todd, that's right. Yeah. Yeah. And then the Ken O'Brien double overtime loss against Cleveland. Yeah, Kenny O'Brien. In like 85. I mean, they had some good teams too back then. But Altoon, you know, yeah. Wesley Walker, Freeman Altoon. McNeil. Yes. Lance, Lance Smell. <laughs> yeah, well, Garrett Gastineau still claiming the sack record, by the way. I read the yeah, movie. I saw that. Still, yeah. So anyway, I saw that. Yeah, memories for sure. Yeah, oh, dude, and memories. that's how we get by. And and I think we should do this like once a week, just just to get out there and for sure. Yeah, yeah, let's do it. I, I appreciate yep. your time, Brian. This was an hour. It's not going to be an hour every time, but I, I think yep. we just pick a memory from our childhood and we just wax poetic and go Absolutely. down and go down our side streets and our tangents and just have some totally. fun and let people. Uh, sit back and, and listen to our nonsense. I think that'd be great. Yep. And let's get the MLB 20s. We can actually have a healthy Yankee roster on there. <laughs> yeah, I mean, that's, you know, there's only one good thing about Corona. It's that the Yankees are going to be healthy when the season Yeah, <laughs> That's probably Absolutely. the only good thing 
from that. But we could, yeah, maybe as we get closer, we could start talking a little bit about sports and things. But that's going to be at least probably five to seven weeks away, I think. Build that audience, son. Build that audience. Mm -hmm. That's right. Let's do it. All right, pal. Thank you so much for joining us. It's Brian Sanborn, my my childhood friend from South River, New Jersey. We hope you'd enjoyed it. Uh, We'll see you the next time. God willing, when we do another Animal Up podcast. Take care, everybody.